Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Greg Greenberg. He is the author of Effing Argentina and 10 More Tales of Exasperation. Greg, it's great to have you with us on this show. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. I say that because if people aren't familiar with you, although I can't imagine they're not, you uh, host a, a show on the C-Suite Network and you are highly involved with the network and you are also an accomplished author. This is your first traditional book. So uh, it's great to have you. Well, yes, my day job is generally overseeing the C-Suite Network and its cavalcade of stars, including yourself. <laughs> but like a lot of men, I suppose, leading lives of quiet desperation, I wanted to make my desperation a little bit louder and I have a, a side hustle, if you will, and a creative streak. And that's how Effing Argentina and 10 More Tales of Exasperation came about. Well, it's very exciting because uh, this is your first traditional book, but you've written screenplays, films on the side, uh, plays, um, and this is a book of short stories. So my immediate question, you know, that I thought to myself is when I, when I got this book in the mail, I thought, well, not really a question, but I just thought to myself, all right, one, this guy, he's got a beef with Argentina, clearly, and, and we have to get to the bottom of it. And um, he's experiencing an awful lot of exasperation. <laughs> is, is that accurate? Is that what's happening here? Well, well, somewhat. Yes, like most people, I was exasperated last year. I had a very short fuse. I was yelling at Alexa and, and barking at my kids, mostly because we were cooped up due to the pandemic. Uh, and with, you know, with regard to uh, how the book came about, uh, it's because generally I do write plays and I suppose my mediocrity has risen to a, a level where I can get my plays produced. And, and I couldn't write a play last year because I would have had to hire actors and, and we were all quarantining. So I tried something new, which is writing short stories. Uh, and uh, I suppose I don't have a vendetta against the South American nation of, uh, of Argentina. The Uruguayans, they pissed me off though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But, that's but the way, <laughs> yeah, but that's the sequel to the book. Right. But, but, but the way the book came about is a bit more mundane. Uh, I was reading articles in the Wall Street Journal about how Argentina was defaulting uh, on its loans to BlackRock, which is a big bank. And I could just hear the folks over at BlackRock saying, effing Argentina, they owe me money. And I decided to anthropomorphize that and say, you know something, what if we had... Argentina come to my door and asked to borrow money from me, Greg Greenberg, to, to pay back BlackRock. And I thought it was, a, it was a funny, a surreal story. And I wrote that story and then I just kept going. Okay, so very, very cool to finally get to the bottom of the title. And now, and now it makes sense. Now, now, that, now I understand. I'm, I'm glad it makes sense to you. <laughs> to my parents, they have no idea. Two things, it sounds like, look, I mean, do you read the Wall Street Journal daily? Because maybe if you wouldn't have picked it up that day, maybe there would have been another title. 
Yes, I am very old school in the fact that I read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the New York Post, and I get them with the paper every morning in front of my house because I need to turn the pages. I'm one of those type people. I'm the last person in my building. I go out, you know, in my my boxer shorts every morning. I open the door and then I scoop back. But yeah, you know, I follow the the, the financial uh, times and what's going on in finance for about 13 years. I was the the chief anchor over at thestreet.com, Jim Cramer's website, Bo- booyah and all that. But now I'm here at C-Suite TV. Yeah, we're, and we're so happy to have you. But I, first of all, my hat's off to you because I think it is just so incredible that you have a finance mind, right? You come from the world of finance, but you're also a prolific writer, which is kind of the art side of the brain. It's very rare that you find or you know interact with someone who can do both. So I, that's pretty incredible. So Well, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I always encourage folks to do in whatever business they're in, whatever pursuit is, you shouldn't let your dreams and your creative streak die. So a lot of ink-stained wretches who are in journalism, they may have that novel in their drawer, that screenplay. You can't give up on it because it may not become a bestseller and you may not turn that screenplay into a produced movie like I did and I was lucky enough to do, but you got to keep that dream alive in whatever in whatever industry or business you work in. I think that's important. Sure. No, it absolutely is. And look, I have to say, you know, we're so lucky that you did write this book because like you mentioned earlier, if we if this pandemic and this quarantine didn't happen, it looks like you would have been writing another play. So you wrote this out of circumstance, but it's really terrific. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a, first off, it's a quick read. These are, these are it's, it's a it's a compilation of short stories. And um, you know, every short story is different. I mean, I, I, I'd like you to put it into your own words and also tell me, you know, my main thought was how did you, what's the inspiration for each story? How did these stories come about? Well, there's a lot of different stories in it. And I suppose after I wrote that first one about Argentina, I thought, you know something, people are exasperated for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, I wanted to write a whole series of stories so there's some people who, you know, who get exasperated. And one of the stories in this book is because when they go to their kids back to school nights or one of their kids functions, that people ask questions that only are about their child. And it's very frustrating or irritating or exasperating for everyone else in the room to have to listen to someone ask a question that only really applies to their kid. And that became a story. And then uh, I was thinking about tennis. Now, you know, you're a fan of tennis. Yeah, Taryn, yeah, is yeah. that I wrote the story, another story from the perspective of someone who's a qualifier in the US Open. And the first time they get to the main draw, who do they got to play? Effing Roger Federer. And you can feel the exasperation from that person. So I think there's people are exasperated in a lot of different ways. And within the story, uh, the stories, what you'll find is that at some point, it could be effing Roger Federer or effing Argentina won't pay their bills or this effing guy in the subways, you know, he's eating a tuna salad sandwich and it smells. And so I, I think that I just wanted to encapsulate under one big banner of exasperation because we were all certainly feeling it and we still feel it during the pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, that is kind of the theme at the end of every every short story. It's effing whatever that topic is. Um, highly relatable, very, very funny, uh, you know, e- each one of these instances. So that said, like you mentioned the the back to school night, are these based on York? A lot of these, you know, are they autobiographical? Are they stories that other friends have shared with you or have you created some of these? Well, uh, for example, Argentina is out of my own mismanaged brain. You know, that, that one is, and it's actually, it's a mix of, of surreal humor and kind of a, I guess, a, a Woody Allen-esque uh, sort of real uh, Upper East Side type humor. So the surreal stuff, 
Uh, there's, a, there's a story, for example, about uh, Officer Krupke from West Side Story going to visit his agent to try and get parts. And that's obviously surreal. And there's other stories like someone going to back to school night uh, in, on, in an Upper East Side uh, hoity-toity school. Um, so there's a certain uh, view from, from the Upper East Side of New York, which is where I live. And there's also some surreal stuff as well. And, you know, what I found from the reviewers is, is some people like some of the humor, other people like other parts of the humor, but it just shows the whole complete mess that I am for, the, <laughs> for all the reading public to see. So it is a little autobiographical. Um, and just explain what you mean by surreal humor. I mean, is it what we think it or is there a more literal definition? A literal well, for example, you know, you know, obviously Argentina never arrived at my porch asking me for a half a billion dollar loan to play to, to pay back BlackRock. Right. And, you know, and, and Officer Krupke is a fictional character, you know, so that that's that's really as out of, out of my imagination. And some of the other things, for example, there's a, an exasperating story in there called Panic in Schubert Alley about my mom, or it's someone who resembles my mom, losing her purse you know, after seeing a Broadway show and I have to scramble to get it, which is exasperating. Once again, it's not the end of the world, uh, yeah. but most irritating, annoying, frustrating, exasperating things for people aren't the end of the world. There, there's gnawing little things that get at you, which get you to the end of that cliff, which shorten your fuse. And that, that's the topic I wanted to address yeah. in the book. No, but it, it's, a, it's a slice of life, right? It's just daily ah, frustrations, yes. um, daily moments, I think that we can all relate to regardless of where you live. I mean, everybody's lost a purse, whether it's their own, maybe a backpack or their mother's. So it, did that actually happen? Yes, my mom was a perpetual loser of, of handbags. And what would happen is, is that she would say, I can't find my pocketbook. And then my father or whoever's near her would suddenly have to run around like James Bond as if there was a nuclear bomb about to go off and find that purse. And, and the, the, the joke is always that what was what was in my mom's pop, pocketbook? I had I have no idea. To this day, it's probably just sweet and lows and, and bobby pins, you know, but still she if she didn't have that pocketbook back, you know, all hell was going to break loose. And, and I think that was a fun little slice of life as you yeah. put it. No, all, the humor is great. And, you know, there's a lot of irony involved, you know, because I think at the end of that story, you guys go to the diner. Once you have the, the purse, you found it, you can breathe. And I think on the way out, you're like, where's the purse? Or, you know, <laughs> like, you're yes. the one, you know? For a Long Island-based guy, everything has to end up at the diner anyway. So you understand that. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. You know, another one that was really cute, uh, I enjoyed the last couple's dinner. Did that actually happen? It's a, it's a dinner party at someone's house with two couples. Was that autobiographical? 
Uh, well, you know, you're not going to get that one out of me. You know, I'm, I'm a writer. You know, if, when you're a writer, it, you can lose a lot of friends that way if you start naming names or if people start seeing, well, this, this, hey, am I the guy in or the, the person in this particular story? You can lose a lot of friends and family members that way. Yeah, but, but it, if it's, someone it's, reading the book was at this dinner party, <laughs> don't they know? Oh, bingo, that was us. <laughs> Well, all the characters, I guess you could say, are certain to a certain an amalgamation of people I've met over the course of my life. But that that story is, is fun as well. It's about someone who someone might consider a one upper. So if you say, you know, I had the greatest you know, bagel over here and they'll say, no, 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 mine was even better. And, and all of a sudden you're in a, a, a mutual uh, warfare of who had the better bagel. And you're like, how did I get here? You know, like David Byrne, you know, how did we get here? Right, right. <laughs> it happens a lot in New York, but it's it's just very funny because it's just it's all very relatable, you know, uh, on some level because they are these are things that that happen in, in real life. So that said, do you, is there one? Um, I hate to ask this question. It's like asking who's your favorite child, but is there a story of the eleven that maybe is your quote unquote favorite or holds a special place in your heart for a reason? Well, I do like the first one, and the first one is called Weinberg's Back to School Night. Yeah. And the reason the reason why I like that is, is as you mentioned, I generally write plays and screenplays, and those require a lot less words because you know they're you're just writing dialogue generally. Um, so back to uh, Weinberg's Back to School Night. Once again, it's about a guy who goes to back to school night, and just he's just having the longest night of his life, and we've all experienced that. And it's mostly because other people are asking specific questions about their kids, and it's just killing this poor guy. But I, I really stretch myself, you know, I feel because there's a whole lot of pros in that. There's adverbs and there's adjectives and all these words that you generally kind of yank out of plays, which is just pure dialogue. So I'm pretty proud of that one. You know, and as well as the one which you mentioned, the last couple's dinner, just because there's a whole lot of words in them. So that that was one of my questions. So you, you sort of answered, is that was that the, the biggest challenge or the biggest uh, pivot for you writing plays and and I mean I would think maybe films is more like this but just more it was more verbose I've always been an avid reader of short stories. I've always liked them. So uh, I like reading, you know, sir, for example, PG Woodhouse and the Jeeves stories. It's always clever how there's a twist. So uh, last summer when I was when I was about to start writing this, what kind of a little also edged me to the idea of of writing a short story book as I was reading uh, Shalom Aleichem, who everyone knows mostly as the guy who wrote the stories behind Fiddler on the Roof. But he, he those are called the Tevye stories. And then you know, the, the Broadway musical writers turn those into Fiddler. And everyone knows what happened after that. So the um, he also wrote something called the train stories. And basically it's Shalom Aleichem. He gets on a train and he's this fictional storyteller and he says and then I met some Jews on a train and then he'll take it off in a certain direction so what I found is you don't need uh, anything really specific for a short story book you just have to have something general so he was writing about Jews on a train and I'm writing about exasperation which really was what I was feeling during the pandemic and we continue to feel yeah I mean the, I think they all they all struck me in a different you know for different reasons but the subway one was just hilarious with the a stinky subway and well yeah well that one i really and that one it kind of it harkens back to pg woodhouse a little bit yeah. because he has such a magnificent vocabulary so i was really pulling on that liberal arts degree to find those four you know those four dollar words was you know polysyllabic words and and, some, and you know and, and you know truth be told I really relied on the thesaurus a bit for that one so that that was a lot that was a lot of fun and it had a, had a, a 
the Jeevesian twist at the end as well. You know, it's, it's frankly, and it all comes back down to, you know, I was on a subway with someone and, and they were eating a stinky tuna fish salad sandwich. And, and that's how that story came about. And it was exasperating, effing tuna fish salad sandwich. It really was. But like you said, the, the vocabulary is really rich. That's the value of a liberal arts education for you. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, can't, I can't, can't account for things, but I'm darn good with my, <laughs> for my verbiage. No, but it was great because you really you could picture the setting in your head as you're reading it because because the vocabulary was so descriptive and so spot on it, it was you know there for certain reasons within each individual story. So um, it was it was an olfactory it was an olfactory masterpiece that story. <laughs> you, you could smell the pages. You really did. I mean, that's the next life, right? In, in our in our next life, perhaps you could have a you know the page smells of, of you know. My next my next book is going to be a scratch and sniff. Thank you, Taryn. <laughs> Hey, here to help, here to help. You, you'll, so, go, you'll get your vig on that one. I know you're an interviewer, so you're taking the words out of my mouth, but uh, you, you mentioned next book, because um, we are out of time. I know we, we could chat forever about this, because I really, I, I can't, I couldn't recommend the book more, and I'd love to dive in more, and, but, so I guess to be continued. But now that you've done a short story that was not planned, short story book, rather, that was not planned, will you do more, Greg? Did you like the experience, or are you going to stick to films and, and, opera and, and plays? Well, it, it, it's a pretty narrow volume, you know, it's a very quick read. And that's one of the things that some of the reviewers have said. I really enjoyed it. I finished it in one sitting, you know, so it, it, it is, it's, it, you know, it really, uh, it, but it was more work than the number of pages uh, belies. So uh, I think my next one may be a play and perhaps that's wishful thinking that pretty soon we're going to have theater back in New York because I know that you're a New York City resident, Taryn, as well. And I'm dying to go back to the theater. I'm dying for Broadway's lights to be turned back on. So hopefully by the time I, I can get an idea and I can put a story together, I can grab some actors, we can sit in a room and read a script and that'll be so much fun to do a play. Yeah. But I will tell you this, those Uruguayans, <laughs> F those Uruguayans. They, they may be this, the F in Uruguay. They, they may be next. So you, yes. Right, those folks right. watch out. Yeah. Well, you said that I didn't, but there, there's 11 here. Were there a lot more? Just curious, final thought. Were there like 15 you were looking at and you had to edit? I mean, were there a lot of other, a lot of other stories? Well, you know, quite frank, it was, it was kind of hard getting to the finish line. And, and it was, it was um, what, F in Argentina and 10 more tales of exasperation. I kind of like the alliteration of 10 more tales. You know, 11 more tales or, or nine more tales just doesn't, doesn't work. So once I hit 10 more tales of exasperation, the alliteration carry the day and I'm like, I'm done here. Yeah, no, it's really, and like you said, I think it is such a great read. It's a great, when we do get back on airplanes and we start traveling, it's such a quick read um, and it's enjoyable. It, it, um, it's good for a chuckle, right? I found myself chuckling a lot. Um, chuckling, and, guffaws, <laughs> teehees, whatever it takes. Yeah, a little bit of everything, which it's really good. That's why I hope you write more. I want, you know, 11 more tales because they're all very cute and interesting. And, um, Thank you. you know, less is more. You, you, you get the point across, but, and, but there's- Brevity is wit. A bard said that. Yes. That too. Uh, well, congratulations. We can't wait to see what you do next, but we will Thank be you. seeing you on the C-Suite Network, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. C-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>